Hey guys, welcome back to the Kind of an Expert podcast, the only podcast where the guest picks a topic of every single episode. My name is Corey Tyndall, and as always, I am your host. And this week we have return guest, New York City comedian Gabe Dorado, uh, here to talk about a couple of different things. First of which is him growing up in Miami in the 80s and 90s. Second is him living in Costa Rica. So we had this kind of idea because um, I recently just got back from a month in Costa Rica and he just got back from a couple of weeks down there, but we found out that he's also lived there for six months at a time. So we wanted to kind of touch on what it's like down there. A lot of people are looking at vacations, but also we dive into what it's like to grow up in Miami being a Cuban uh, kid in the 80s and 90s during the, the quote unquote cocaine cowboy days. So I thought this was a really interesting episode. He's got some great stories from going down to Costa Rica, and I think you guys are going to enjoy it as well. You can follow him on Instagram at Cuban is funny and check out his shows at the Grizzly Pair. Uh, he does every single weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, all of the shows. So plenty of opportunity to see him. And as always, follow me at Corey T Comedy on all social media and come to the shows that I'm on in Midtown Manhattan at the Three Monkeys right around the corner from Colbert. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and enjoy the episode. Sibling rivalry, yeah. God, like I hate there in my seat. I fucking hate it, dude. The wait, you hate what? <laughs> Every time I see the the oh fucking, the French press, the French press <laughs> in my, in, in my yeah. apartment, I want to throw it. It's it's on the video because we're drinking we're drinking out coffee out of my French press. So your brother's got one, and you do not even talk. I don't know how you live with someone that you're not talking to. Like even even when my roommate and I weren't getting along a couple of years ago, it was still like him like a hey man like head nod like hey can you do the dishes how was your night it's what i imagine of. prison would be like dude <laughs> i feel like they're friends in prison though right but we walk like, we've walked by each other <laughs> it hasn't happened many times but we walked by each other a few times down the hallway and it's just like fucking say something bro I'll fuck like, you up it's crazy. My, my oh. girlfriend lives with us too, and she. How big is your apartment? God damn! <laughs> you got like a three-bedroom. Three-bedroom. Okay, I'm picturing you guys in like a studio. We just three-bedroom. Like it was, it used other. to be me, my brother, and the owner of the bar that he used to work at. This um tall British girl named uh, Terrell that she got stuck in London because of COVID, so she never came back. Mm. So she basically, she's not living there anymore. We uh, we basically took gutted her place out. Yeah. Um, she said she was not, she wasn't coming back. Um, yeah, so now like she's I mean she my my girlfriend lives she she moved in it was four people at one point yeah because she was her living in my room. Um, so that's just awkward because like I'll come home from work and so will she. She'd be like hi Danny, <laughs> and I'd be like don't fucking fuck that like, fuck you Danny. don't talk to him <laughs> like fuck you Danny like, like just grab her arm like let's go like, yeah dude, like, <laughs> that must have been nice to get away then because you just got was, back from, awesome, from Costa Rica that must have been so to have your space and not have to worry about just some fucking guy you didn't want to talk to in your space it's so crazy because it, 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 it as much anger that is involved behind it it literally goes back to a like sibling rivalry like as a kid oh yeah like it's I figured something out when I was like 
11, 12, that I, once I learned this, they could never beat me in anything ever again. Because they do like, they said like, they said in games, sports, like video games, yeah. in general, the the mental edge of, of games, my middle brother was actually the best at it. He said, make me cry. Like, dude, abuse me. Like, You're the youngest, son. I'm the youngest. Okay. And he's the end. The one that I'm not talking to is the oldest. Okay. Um, <laughs> but do they, they, they would get in my head. As, and finally, when I figured out how to like not let them get in my head and, and just turn it, I literally like would beat like I remember beating the one that I'm not speaking to now. I remember beating him in basketball for the first time when I was like 13. <laughs> okay. Um, he was big into poker at one time. I beat him heads up just because I knew I'd beat him. But I was but like that's all based on because I was good at beating them in Madden on like in any ah, video game. All right. Since, since the very first Madden, the like, little the little crack. The that's little like thing the one thing that, 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 that exactly. Oh, once I figured that out, I was like oh. that's how you beat them. Like get in yeah. your head. See, I'm the I'm the oldest. I got I got the opposite. It's funny when I go home. I'm still like, don't get me wrong. I get along with my brothers. I don't think I could live with them because it is like those old family dynamics. But I didn't grow up like with games. My dad was not afraid to beat me at those games. So I didn't grow up winning everything that I played. I dad grew up losing my dad, to my dad and then beating my brothers. My dad so was the exact <laughs> same. My, well, my dad coaches. My yeah. So did so did mine. My dad was crazy, dude. My dad. This is that competitive mentality. Of my dad. My dad actually did this. He, uh, this is such a funny story, man. <laughs> my dad and my brother, my my brother at the time, the the one that the, the oldest one, Danny, he um he was really into kendo. To what? Kendo, like a Japanese sword kendo. fighting, gotcha. like, with a wooden okay. bamboo sticks. Sure. Which is how you practice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So every day, like we would go to the backyard and spar with the bamboo sticks. Um, that's actually one one of the first times that. I beat the middle brother from picking on me was in with bamboo sticks. <laughs> okay. Um, nice. But the story with my dad is they were going at it and my brother at the time is probably like 15. So hit like a man. Sure. Um, he hit my dad in the, in the knuckles and, oh, yeah. and my dad started bleeding and my dad didn't care. My dad's like, let's finish. Sure. And, and my my brother's like no I don't want like I don't want to like, like, he, got <laughs> he got scared, scared of your dad <laughs> he got scared. no because bleeding is like dude like I don't want to play anymore and my yeah. dad's like no we're finishing <laughs> and and he's like no my dad asked, said it one more time when my brother refused my dad went inside the house and got a BB gun oh shit chased my brother around the house what? and shot my brother in the ass dude Cra no crazy. way what was your mom doing screaming like I remember all, all <laughs> I remember like she getting, could not have going, been happy about that. like all, that's all I remember dude I was probably. <laughs> 15, so I was seven, eight at the time. You just, just remember seeing like, oh happen. my God, that's awesome. <laughs> never, never play my dad against anything. I never. But I think I was nine, I think nine at the time. The my, my dad was crazy. My dad was so vicious. My first year playing baseball, I was like eight, and I hadn't gotten a, I hadn't gotten a hit yet, like in like three games, and I finally hit a home run. He fucking left me alone, but um. I remember, okay. like, I remember right before that, he took me to the park one day, and he was hitting, and this is finally when I got over, and it was the same thing with the mental game, when I finally got over being like afraid of something, because at the time I was afraid of getting hit by the baseball, so like sure. hitting, getting ground balls, like I would, I would back off, and I was just scared, and then finally he's like, we come here every day, and you fucking suck, Dude, and he just started hitting, <laughs> hitting like man line drives at me at an eight-year-old. <laughs> and I was so, and I got so pissed off at him that I started catching everything. There you go. And after that, that mental edge of like, didn't matter how much he would like do something to try to like, like the anger would overpower the like the, the, the that would be is enough it, drive to like to. Is it abuse? 
Maybe. Maybe. Did but it work? A hundred percent. It worked. You know what's crazy about the sure. abuse? It's <laughs> my dad was actually really good, very mild compared to all the Cuban dads that I like. Do like playing baseball as a Cuban kid? I was going like, to say like a, Cuba's a baseball. It's like a, a it's like a fa- like a Viking father, like being ashamed of his Viking son for Literally, like not being a good warrior. It's like, the plot of How to Train Your Dragon, dude. So- like Valhalla, bro. Like that's <laughs> like I, I growing up, my dad never did this to me, and this is why I think he was a like solid and not abusive or or even uh <laughs> at least in public you know, sure, but uh sure he uh he never like a lot of a lot of fathers would slap their kids in the face or they would strike out like a, mm-hmm. like like in a big game they would slap in front of everybody like the worst thing you could do and it was like and it's crazy because when it would happen all the other parents wouldn't like would just kind of look the other way and be like oh well and then they would like you look at your son you're like you better not strike out. Like that. Like, yeah, I'm gonna have to do that to you. Dude. Like, <laughs> Can't look weak in front of the other dad. Like, like, don't you let better that, get a hit. God damn it! Better not strike out. Dude. Like, <laughs> you know what's funny with that baseball thing is I never had a problem being scared of the ball, but my younger brothers did, and it's funny. Like I would go play catch with them, and they would always like put their mitt up, but they would turn their head when the ball was coming, and they try yeah. and catch it without looking. And just like one time, I was just like, just let it hit you one time, and then it like hit them. And my theory was like, if it, if it hits them, they're gonna go, yeah, like, oh yeah, that doesn't hurt that bad. Be they immediately scared. started crying. Scared. My mom was like, why the fuck did you tell them to get hit by the ball? I'm like, because it's, it's they're learning, they gotta learn. But I don't know, I didn't have that problem. My dad was uh, with baseball at least. He was he was a little more sarcastic. There was uh, the coach did not like me because I dicked around in practice. Yeah. So he was like, I'm not starting. I was good, but he was like putting his foot down. He's like, nah, he's a fucking clown. He doesn't get to start. You have to try and practice if you want to start, blah, blah, blah. So he put me in uh, like right field, even though I was bigger than everybody. He should have played first base. Um, and I made a like a legit diving catch, like whole body off the ground on like this pop-up or whatever. I'm like super pumped. Like everybody was like literally ninth inning. Everybody's like crowding around me. I go to my dad at the end of the game. I was like, did you see my catch? He goes, what catch? And I just like stared at him for <laughs> Like it felt like an eternity. I'm sure it was like three seconds. He goes, "Nah, I'm kidding. It was a great catch." And I was like, "Oh, you fucked me up." But I still remember it. <laughs> like literally 20 years later. Nah, dude, my uh, my dad would have been like, "Do you see that catch?" He's like, "Yeah, I saw the catch." But I was like, "Why'd you take a you took a bad path? Why, to why, the why, ball? Why, why'd you take that meatball <laughs> in your second at bat?" Yeah. Like fucking really, bro? So did that make you more determined to get better at baseball, or did you just give it, up on it, baseball? It, it just made me try to be perfectionist, and I guess that's why, like a lot of in everything that I do, I try to. It's, it's like a, mm. it's a gift and a curse. It's um, trying to make it too perfect because it was like to try to like yeah, either please him or like just have him like, shut up. That's interesting. It's it's kind of I feel like there's there's two different psychologies of people there because I'm I'm the opposite. Obviously, we're in the same spot. We're both like. Both comedians were both trying really hard at something, but when someone starts like nitpicking like that, it doesn't make me turn into a uh, perfectionist. It makes me want to stop doing it. Like the best way for me, the best way to motivate me is to just like let me go out there and totally fail. Like don't tell me anything and I'll figure it out on, on my own because if I feel like someone's watching me, then I'll give up. It's interesting that you had the exact opposite reaction. Why I used to do a joke based off a real at bat that I had and it's funny because I actually started I tried I started trying to do this joke again recently it's about my dad um because my, my dad coached all three sons like in every sport and my dad my dad was basically like 
He didn't play any sports. He a uh, musician, mm. but all three of his sons played sports, and they didn't sure. play one one instrument. Um, even like my dad even coached me in basketball. My dad knew nothing about basketball, but <laughs> but he got somebody that knew that he got a friend of his that played college basketball yep. to teach the fundamentals of basketball. And my dad basically just was a drill sergeant. He got everybody in shape, and everybody was like, "Yes, sir," and like, "Listen to this guy." And he was Man. good at that. He was good at that. And it was for for baseball. He learned the game pretty well. Um, football. He's the first coach. Is the first sport he coached us, and he he knew football very well. But um, yeah. Growing up, like it's funny. My dad would always like after a while. My dad wasn't like like in high school. My dad didn't coach me anymore. College, he didn't coach me anymore. Um, but he would always be still in the fucking stands, like yelling something. Sure. Like micromanaging. Yeah. Like in the middle of the at bat. <laughs> and the, the the way I said it in the joke was um he would always like yell when I was pitching. He's like, throw the curveball, he can't hit it. I was like, dude, the guy can hear you. <laughs> uh, that's the joke. But the, the the real story of it was um this is eighth grade. And by in eighth grade, like I was pretty solid like at, at sports as far as like Sure. Um I got hurt pretty bad in high school. That kinda killed my getting chance of getting drafted or anything or playing division one. Um, cause dude, like, as a 14 year old, I was already throwing like 89 miles an hour. Wow. Like crazy. It didn't make any sense. That's I was like, I'm five at 14. At Holy five, cow. nine, five, 10. Yeah. Um, five, 10 now, but at that time I was like five, nine. Um, but, uh, I got hurt and that, that kind of killed those dreams. But, um, when you're that, when you're like, when you're a kid that's good at sports as an eighth grader, like I played every position in baseball. Sure. So I was a good batter. Like I wasn't the best hitter in the, in the league, but I could hit. Like enough. I was probably gonna get on base. Yeah. Like in eighth grade, like against a shitty pitcher, I was probably gonna get on base. Yeah. Uh, like against a good pitcher, it would be a good at bat. You know, like. Yep. He'd probably win. I maybe I'll win. Like just the way baseball works. Um, but I remember this specific at bat because I knew this kid wasn't gonna strike me out, and my dad like the thing that count was like one and two, and um. And it was an awful pitch, and I and I swung at it, and I fouled it off. He goes, "Why'd you swing at that? Were you stupid?" And I like shut the, <laughs> dude, the minute, like right there, like dude, like shut up, bro. Like yeah. are you serious? So in my head, I was like, "I'm gonna swing at the very next pitch, regardless of where it is." And I I did fouled it off again. It was, "Why'd you swing at that one?" I was like, "I'm gonna swing at all of them." <laughs> and then I I think I fouled off like six balls in a row, and finally in the seventh one, dude, I hit a fucking triple. And it was just me standing third base, like "fuck you, bro." Like, <laughs> what? What, Dad? What are you gonna What are you gonna tell me now? And then on the drive home, he didn't say anything. <laughs> oh, that is amazing! It was such a good feeling, dude. Because on the drive home, he didn't say one thing, and I was like, "Yeah, bro, no. yeah, can't say shit to me, dude." Yeah, yeah, that was. Uh... I basically it was funny the the sport my dad just gave up trying to coach me when I was pretty young because I I, ne I never wanted to hear it until high school. Because my dad was a state champion tennis player, he's really, yeah. like, really good at tennis. He's six foot nine, so his serve was like 120 miles an hour, and then he just run up to the net and they couldn't hit it over him. So he had like, yeah, yeah, he had like an insane like Randy Johnson fucking yeah serving <laughs> exactly. So I'm not nearly as tall, um, but luckily I am just as slow. So I wasn't nearly as good of a tennis player, but uh, high school, I was like. All right, I want to learn tennis, and I want you to teach me how to play yeah. tennis. That was the first time I ever like let him really, truly uh, coach me in anything. But even like, even though I had like acknowledged that he was like I was willing to be coached, if he yeah. told me anything mid match, I was like, shut the fuck up, like don't. <laughs> I didn't say that obviously, but in my head I was like, god damn it, like. And he almost never did it. He almost never did it to his his credit, but like, 
I mean, it's uh, it's it was a real interesting dynamic. But I wanna I wanna just it, funny really quick. Yeah, it's funny seeing that the dynamic that I have with my dad now is um, we play chess, chess all the time, and he's he's always been like he's always been a guy like, like he's told me stories that he beat a grandmaster once, okay. and the guy, and, but then the guy beat him like ten times. Sure, like he's like he actually he's that good that if you take him lightly, like he'll beat yeah, anybody. Right. I've been I've been beating him a lot lately, but he's still, <laughs> but but he's still got a much better record. Like I think I think he's probably beat me like eight. Oh, yeah. I think on Chess.com I think it's like eighty five. He has eighty five wins and I have like forty eight wins. And this is since you were how old? No, this is like like a year. Oh, <laughs> like okay, this. okay, that makes sense. I, yeah. I got I got really into chess like four years ago because of stand up. Weird, like I just kind of found a parallel that it makes sense. Like and it, and I I just enjoyed the aspect of. In stand-up, you don't bring your queen out right away. Yeah. Like, you don't start saying jokes right away. You establish yep. a relationship. Yep. That's, like, the whole middle game of chess is the same thing. Like, oh, they, they, so, Set it up. Yep. So, it made me start, like, like appreciating the, the whole flow of chess. Like, dude, it's, like, a long-term, yeah. from beginning to end kind of thing. It's not about the first second. It's about the whole thing. And I was like, right. so... Right. But even now, like, my dad will, like, message, like, on the chat, on the chess.com chat, like trying to micromanage me in the middle of a game that I just beat him in. <laughs> he goes, you just, he, he, like, he, he, I actually won this game and he's like, dude, you're just trading pieces. I don't know where you're going with this. <laughs> and like then like one move you. later, like I, I'm like, he re resigned because I had him. I'm like, yeah. like talking shit, dude. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, only going to get better as he gets older too. So I want to, I want to get into how you were, you were brought up because you're Cuban from Miami. Like I want to get into we kind of touched on with on it with baseball, but sort of the the culture that you grew up with, and then now you kind of see, like, coming up here now that you're living in New York, like the differences between like different Hispanic cultures. Because I I feel like from because I've I met a few uh, Cuban people of Cuban descent from yeah. Miami, and they seem very different than the people from like Puerto Rican up here. But I feel like a lot of Americans, especially, kind of have this idea of just like. Hispanics. So, like, obviously, baseball's huge for you guys, but like, Cuban and Miami is an interesting concept, man. Because with your family, you're Cuban, okay? Because because we all like everybody has like a similar story. Like, not everything's like cocaine cowboy story, like sure. that extreme. But but everything is kind of like came from Cuba, moved to Miami, had to hustle in Miami, whether you're doctor or a bus driver like you had to find the hustle right to survive and work hard whatever and and make it um so when i when i i was born in miami my parents the way they made it to miami was um my dad came before castro like five years before castro like 55 so, okay so right like right after the war like or right, 10 years right, after the war and um 55 this is five years before castro my grandfather was just a really good like blue collar like a union guy like a he was a really good welder I thought that was his best like skill but he's just a good like all around like fix shit kind of guy he wouldn't fix it great but like it it, it would work yeah like he would take a car apart and, and like he would put it back and it would work but there would be like pieces missing like this is not good <laughs> like dad would, that my, sounds like every engineer mechanic like my dad, i've my ever dad would known always freak out <laughs> but, but he whatever he uh, he he came he moved to new york first he worked on a cruise ship um brought my my dad over brought my grandmother over my uncle was born here 
and then they would go to Cuba every summer mm. um, until Castro. Okay. And so then, they had like five and, and years. And that stopped for like five years. And then my okay. mom, um, a different kind of like background, my mom was really fucking wealthy mm. in, in Cuba. Um, generations of generations of tobacco and uh, sugarcane plantation owners, like um, crazy f- from Spain. Sure. Um, so they lost everything. Like, and my, my grandmother had 11 brothers and sisters at the time. So when the Castro regime took over everything, the whole family came over here. My dad's side, half and half came. Like, um, they liked Cuba, and even when they were poor, they were already poor. Right. Like, the, my dad's term was like the Wajitos, which are like farmers, mountain farmers. They were like, I, I met all, like my my other grandmother. She had ten brothers and sisters, and I got to meet all of them, even the ones that lived in Cuba. Like three of them never wanted to come to the United States. They would come visit, and like, oh, I can't wait to go back to Cuba. Even like during the communist really? times, yeah, didn't make any sense to me. Wow. Um, Did you ever like get an explanation for like what would they say? What was because it's just laziness. For me, it's laziness. Um, ah, they they, uh, they they knew that they were gonna get something. They had to like work to get something interesting like they knew they were gonna get some, like and some of them some places probably got better supply than others so it yeah. wasn't that poor um kind of like getting like a stimulus check like, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah i was actually gonna ask about um, that later but so um whatever dude like growing up as a kid in the 80s 90s that was like the development of miami like the the 70s kind of developed miami with the co- whole cocaine shit sure it just made it expand but um it's crazy that Drugs were kind of like a part of my whole life. My my dad played um salsa his whole life. Played um, what? My dad was a big salsa player, like, mu- okay. like salsa music, like um, sure. like Miami Sound Machine. My yeah. dad's band actually opened for Miami Sound Machine for like I'm not sure how many years, but like a good run. Um, salsa music was really popular in Florida, in Miami, and Tampa. So kind of like how we are comics and gigging, like they would gig constantly from Miami to Tampa. Just like uh, make that drive back and forth. That and then whatever they can get in between that like was interested in hiring salsa bands. Um, yeah, dude, my dad played with um, Celia Cruz, which is like, she's like the diva of salsa music. She was like a Cuban lady. Okay. Um, so I grew up to that. And it's funny because as a little kid, you don't appreciate it, but like Cuban salsa music, like my dad was in a band. So like as a kid, I would go to all these concerts mm-hmm. and uh, play with the other little kids because we didn't care about the music. Sure. But just being around fucking Cuban shit all day um growing up in Miami it was almost like living like living from what I imagine what Cuba would be like because my whole family lived around me um <laughs> it was nuts dude right I remember how how big is the house no it's just neighborhood like all oh, like, um I, I, I got gotcha. you yeah. I lived with my parents with my family my two brothers in our house across the street from our house my uncle lived in a duplex with my uncle and his family my my cousins his his wife and my grandfather my uncle's dad with my grandmother in the same duplex the very next door was my grandfather's brother that lived in in the house with his family and it was a wow. huge house so like yeah. two families lived in that house there was a um, our friends named Skinny and Gordo. Was two brothers that were yeah. fat, one fat one skinny. One fat one skinny. <laughs> um, and the next house was who was like this guy was probably like the don of all, like all the fam- like of my grandfather's side was my grandfather's oldest brother. And actually no, it was my grandfather's oldest sister and his and and, and her and her husband who was like that from what I remember as a little kid he was a guy that like everybody kind of like respected. Like he was the 
like my Lansky kind of style, like just little fucking organized guy that's always clean cut. Yeah. Um, and then dude, this is crazy. And then the house behind theirs that was connected to the other street. Um, my grandfather's other brother lived there okay. in a duplex with his kids and nuts. Man, so like that, that was just that was just my dad's side, and then my 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 mom's side all lived like two. They lived like two blocks from each other, eight blocks away from our house. So everybody was okay. that connected. Like, yeah, I now see how you're able to like stay with your brother even though you hate him. You just like, you're so used to having you know we've all lived, this family. We've around. lived to brother. That's funny. Say we we've lived <laughs> together so long, and we, I think we're the only ones that have lived in New York. Okay. So, like I've lived here since 2004. He lived here since 2002. So we're the only ones that ever left Miami, and that's probably like why we're we're also strong. Will it's this all goes back to the video game. Like I was saying, like. Neither one of us has spoken to each other because nobody wants to cave in and yeah. lose. And it's exactly, <laughs> dude. He likes my shit on Instagram. He, and That's I, hilarious. And, and it fucking pisses me off, uh, dude. Like, <laughs> That's probably why he does it. Because like, dude, he's gonna, pot, he's gonna comment me. on this podcast too. He's gonna, <laughs> <laughs> like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> so you had a tight, tight knit family. Were you guys, were you guys getting together like every day, every week? Like, how often? I would hang out it, with a, it is I, I grew up clo- close to my family well, like two sports, hours away like a, on one hand sports, an hour up, away on the other side but the ride to like the the park every day was um my uncle coached the same team with my dad and my c- two cousins who ended up being like college softball players mm. they uh they were the water girls on our team just cause like, they, okay. they're just cause they were part of the, sure. they were just a part of, they wanted like my uncle had them part of the family whatever part of the team so at a time, dude, like every day for football practice was me, my dad, my uncle, my brother. Eventually, when he got older, he eventually coached me for like a couple of years. Um, and my dad would also like pick up like five kids along the way every day to like football practice. So everything was tight. For example, like Christmas Eve with my family is like a huge like that's how you could feel Cuban because like, it was like they would roast a pork and it would be like a hundred people over. Damn. It'd be like it'd be like a feast and it'd be like an all day kind of thing, which would be cool. Yeah, that number is kind of slowly gotten smaller like, <laughs> as as people move away or like pretty just, much we all got older. Everybody's you know. moved away. Um, the fact that everybody's not as close anymore, as far as distance wise, yeah, has changed the game. Like now, like all those people that were together, if I tell you where they are now, my cousin is in New Orleans, my other cousin is in Georgia, my dad moved to Sebring, Florida, um, my uncle moved to Naples. My brother still lives in Miami. All my uh, my mom's aunt and my mom's sister, sorry, my mom's sister lives in Miami still. Um, all the cousins from that side live in Miami, but um, everybody else is spread out. Like me, and my, other, my yeah. me, me and Danny, the other brother, live in New York. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, I guess that's you know kind of happens as as you go. But it's interesting that you guys had that tight knit for so long. Like getting back to your your dad, I didn't realize that there was a time after the war that you could just bounce between Cuba and the United States before Castro. Like, I what, mean, you know, what, what, were they just visiting? What's like, was uh, it at, the, at the time it was, um, no, cause, uh, what's his face? Um, the guy before Castro, uh, what's his name? No, bro. Uh, Batista. Yeah. Um, he was a, pup- yeah. he was a puppet. Okay. So he was tied to the, to the United States. So there's probably good relations during that time. Gotcha. Then they kind of and at the time it was just my my grandfather came over first. He lived here for like two three years. Yeah, 
um, and worked, and then like made enough money to bring everybody over. So I think it was like there was more calculated. Gotcha. So what did, I mean to your after Castro takes over, half your family stays in Cuba. Like, how did your dad? How did your grandpa kind of like? Did they get to contact them at all? Was it really just like a clean break of like, yep, yeah, they stayed in Cuba. I like can't talk to them. Like, what was uh, my my grandmother would go every year. And they just let her like, go because she's Cuban and she found her way of like I think you have to fly through Mexico or DR. Uh, there was still ways to go to Cuba. You just, had, okay. you just couldn't do it through from like directly from America to Cuba. That makes sense. Um, but she would go once a year and stay there and like stay with her family and she would bring shit from the states. Like she was allowed to bring like a certain amount, like like a like, certain amount of weight in a bag, mm. and if it was under the weight, they wouldn't really check it. But she would bring like little contraband basically like to- <laughs> toothpaste like shit like just extra shit that they probably didn't have down there and like yeah. she, she would bring it show up with essentials and leave with cigars Ex- just- pretty much <laughs> dude it's so it's so funny you say that that's exactly what she would do she would bring back she was always allowed to bring back two boxes she would bring back one for me and one for david because uh, the other brother didn't care about cigars but yeah. um, she would be- like a, i would get i would get a box of monte Cristos every time she would go and um and david and david would get a box of uh, romeo and juliet's because he liked those better. Okay. What well, was so? I mean, you brought it up a couple times, like the the cocaine cowboy situation in Miami. It, you know, I'm not saying it like don't out your family if they were a part of it, but like, what was that culture it like was just with everywhere. you um, growing up? Like, did you know people that were smuggling? Did you know people that were like running these types of operations? So, like, growing up in fucking West Michigan, like the the closest thing we had to. Like anything like that was like people running pro during prohibition, running alcohol during prohibition. That was in like the twenties. Miami, Miami, as big as Miami is, it was such a small town that it's funny because I try to write a joke about this, but it was based on just the reality of um every person that I spoke to about cocaine cowboys, like every Cuban from Miami, I was like, bro, my cousin's in that. Like, <laughs> like oh, bro, like like I'm in episode two. You like, all got like, the same like, cousin. Like, like cool, bro. Even my brother, my David. This is like I remember talking. I was like, "Bro, did you watch Cocaine Cowboys?" And the first thing he told me goes, "Bro, did you watch? Uh, did you watch episode three yet?" And I was like, "Yeah." I was like, "Bro, I fucking like the the guy that was in uh in uh that was a juror." And I was like, and "It was like," and I was like, "Yeah." I was like, "Bro, I sold that guy a car." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, shut up, dude. Really, like. That's hilarious. But the fact that he actually remember he remembered the name. Yeah. Like holy fuck, I saw that guy car. Like that's so it's great. But that's the thing. That's how connected everybody was. So like, of course, think about it. Like, we watch all those movies of seventies and eighties of cocaine. Yeah. And my dad was in a salsa band. Yeah. Fucking playing in all these like nice clubs. So like they. You know, I mean, you know what's going on in those. Clubs like as a kid, did you realize? I didn't realize it. Well, my I mean, my dad ended up uh, in rehab actually. Oh shit! Um, so substance has always been a big taboo in my family. Gotcha. And it's funny because I've always been dead honest with my dad. Like I, I do drugs and like I don't I don't want to do them all the time, but I just want you like I've been dead honest. I've done coke, I've done Molly, I've right. done shrooms, and he's just in shock with this honesty. <laughs> but it's like. I'm not going out tonight to go buy some. Like that's the thing. Like I like right. I, like you understand. Like I like that. I've always t- I've I've always had this discussion. My dad actually, even though my dad still goes to meetings and shit, and he just I think he does it more for um 
spirituality like because mm-hmm. that's a, a, a long story short like my dad got back into salsa because of church mm. like years later like in in his like 60s late 60s 70s because our neighbor found out he was in a certain a church band in, in, in a salsa band and in, 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 in his early youth my dad ended up taking over the church band and playing salsa music for like church so he started going to retreats and shit like male retreats which are basically like rehab programs sure um, so I, th- I think that made him start to get back into it um, but it's crazy because growing up as a kid like if you drank alcohol dude or like just, just alcohol was a huge taboo in my house so I had to like hide it all the time okay and I just got it's crazy because I guess I just got really good at hiding that I was fucked up in front of my in front of my parents <laughs> I remember sir, sir, the dude, like I started drinking in high school going out with my fucking older friends and you got older Ives, brothers, so and my yeah. older brothers. It's always easy to get. Exactly, and yeah. As long as like you better act normal when we get home, yeah. So like, mommy and poppy don't kill you. Like I was like, <laughs> fine, that's fine. So I learned, I learned that like, like dude, as long as they don't see me like do anything bad, I'll never yeah. get in trouble. And also from having two older brothers, like, yeah, it's useful as an adult too. I mean, you could tell Big who time, grew dude. up not oh, needing to hide their uh, their alcohol consumption and who uh, who did. Um, I did it. I mean, I. I it's crazy because like if, if if I remembered little things when I was a kid, I thought they were funny. But my dad hates that I remember certain certain things. Like what? Um, I think I was like six, and this is I guess right before he went to rehab. But um, he uh he passed out on a dinner table in Disney World, and I thought it was hilarious. Like he just like <laughs> fell asleep in the middle of the table, and, like, ah, yeah. and everybody's like, "It's not funny." As and a like, kid, that's fuck. That's the funniest thing ever. And then I and then for a long time he would try to. It's almost like he wanted like me to black this memory out because <laughs> he so I remember when he used to always say like I'm gonna go to a meeting he would always say me voy pa viejo which is like I'm going to old it doesn't make any sense it's like mm. kind of like nonsense yeah and I wear like oh pa viejo but I remember before that when he was staying somewhere I'm like where was like then I would ask questions when I started getting older like where was that he used his roommate at the time in the wherever he went was uh this guy looked just like Weird Al Yankovic so that's mm. all I remembered and like remember the time you stayed with a guy like Weird Al Yankovic <laughs> Like, yeah, I was in rehab. Like, you know the fucking yeah. time. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is the worst couple of months of my life. Don't bring oh, like, him up. Like, that guy was nice. Like, he was a drug addict. Like, like, like oh, my God, dude. Yeah. Like, brutal. Like, <laughs> so up and down, he said? Yeah, you could just push it down. Once it's down once, you could keep it. So it's good to it's good to pour now. We're doing more more coffee for the non-video uh, nice. listeners here. So the way that I picture Miami in the 80s is kind of like – You've got your your working class people like um, what you describe your your dad and his and your grandpa, and then you've got like these people that are just like exploding with wealth from the the drug trade. Like, are you going to school with kids whose parents some of them were yeah. like, and you're just like, oh yeah, his dad. Yeah, oh, hundred percent. I, I went to a I went to a Jesuit prep school, but like I, I knew kids okay. from public school that were like big drug dealers that we would see at parties and mm. and I would like. I was always connected to these people from from friends and like I, it's crazy. It's like I, playing sports as a kid, you I grew up knowing everybody. So when I got to high school, like I was always a guy that could cross over. Like I I, I could go to a public school party and I would yeah. like I knew the gang members, like I yep. knew the baseball players, I knew the, the fucking valedictorian, you know, like yeah, sure. Um, the same difference when it came to like just even other private schools. Like I like I. I this kid was my third. He was my third baseman, 
when we were eight years old sure. and we were like best friends. we traveled to Mexico together to play in a baseball league you know like <laughs> so I always had these connections to sports and for me man like I, it's crazy because like the, the biggest concept that changed my mind of com- to who I was as like a as a person as a Cuban as an American as whatever, whatever you want as a human being what do you want to call it um, was when I got to college because for the longest time, like, dude, I'm like a white American. That's what I like. I like, I'm like, I'm, like I, it wasn't until I got to college, like, dude, I'm like, I'm Cuban. Like, like I'm Where actually, I'm actually Hispanic in Alabama and uh, Spring Hill College in Mobile, Alabama. Okay. So like, right, culture shock, big time. Like, yeah, I didn't mind it, but um, when f- the first few people started being like, you speak Mexican, I'm like, no, dude, I speak fucking <laughs> Spanish, like. <laughs> Like, all right, where am I, dude? Yeah, we're at college. You should be. You should know the term for that. Well, the college kids <laughs> wouldn't say that. It was like the the, the oh, I got you. it was the locals. I got and I you. Like you, you speak Mexican. And like eh, I speak Spanish, yeah. but you're close. Well, I mean, how 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 diverse was Miami growing up? Like, was everyone at your school also Cuban? Cuban? Like, if you you, you were foreigner if you were like Nicaraguan. Like, for example, like I in. Miami is very um, predominantly Cuban and Haitian at the time. It's changed a lot now, um, but I, I went to Corpus Christi, which was in Alapata Wynwood, which was little Haiti, little, little, little Haiti basically at sure. the time. I was uh, the minority there. Like it was, I would say eighty percent was Haitian. Hmm. Um, the other twenty percent was spread out: Cuban, Puerto Rican, Nicaraguan. Now, if you go to uh, Miami, it's it's super different. It's um, Little Haiti's bigger now. Eighty percent Jewish. Little ha- it's, it's it's crazy, but it's, it's gen- Little Haiti's gentrified a little bit. But um, okay. But uh, now it's not like little like Little Havana, and it was like now there's a uh, Venezuelans are are super in they, yeah. they they call Doral they call Doral Dorasuela now because it's all Venezuelans. Oh wow. Um, if you go to like where my parents lived before, um. Which is like Southwest Miami. It was all Cuban at the time. Now it's like half Cuban and half like Nicaraguan, Venezuelan, and even like a few, I'll say like Costa Ricans. Like mm. it's it's so it's been. I, th- I think the Miami Cubans opened the wave, but it's just a different way. Like it's just a sure. floodgate of just all South American countries coming in now. Like, I mean, it's it's easy to get there, right? Exactly. Like, like, when I went down to Costa Rica, and, and the layover land, was in Miami, and it's like well. It makes sense that everybody just kind of stops in, stops in yeah. here. Um, so that, yeah, that is, it's, it's interesting how, um, like all of these places, like I would look at Miami and say like, wow, it's super diverse. Like there's, there's a lot of, uh, when you were growing up, it was a lot of, a lot of Cubans. And I wouldn't think about that for my hometown, but like in terms of diversity across like different ethnicities, Mine was mostly white. Yours was mostly Cuban, and like anyone that was different, it was like, oh, okay, they're they're new. Well, that's like, kind of why I wanted to go away to college. Um, I felt the majority of the people that I grew up with were very sheltered, and they like almost yeah. like they lived in a bubble, like almost like like a Siddhartha bubble. Yeah. Like uh, they, oh my god, there's poor people. Like, but um, <laughs> yeah. but uh, I think me playing sports my my whole life already opened that for me because uh, my dad my dad taught at an inner city school. Okay. Um. For years, like my dad quit his job at the time, and he quit playing in the band, and then he started teaching music. Um, my dad's been taught he was like Edward James, almost like standard and deliver. Like that's the teacher he became as a music teacher. 
like psycho, like but drill sergeant for music now. Sure, um, <laughs> but he's like the guy in uh, Whiplash. But he would take me. He would take me to his school. Like whenever I had a day, exactly. Whenever I had a day off, um, it's funny. When I, whenever I had a day off, he would take me there, and um, I'll spend a day with like the kids that he taught, mm. and he uh, even there like the kids like. I'm in inner city school, like kids that fucking are violent and are get in trouble all the time, and they're like, "You, Mr. Dorado's son," and they wouldn't like nobody would touch me because like as much respect they had for my dad. Okay. Um, because dude, they were like, my dad was tough, dude. My dad would like guy look at you in the face as a kid, yeah. and fucking poke you in the chest and like, ow, like, <laughs> or like, or headbutt, like headbutt you, like who does that? Yeah. But he he knew things he can get away with that kid. Right. If he did, if he did it now, he got it on, on oh, tape. Yeah, He's yeah, done, yeah, yeah. dude. My dad will be done now. Um. But, you know, it's it's funny because my my dad is also a teacher. Different school though. Yeah, I would get seen like in in uh, like my hometown was like a small suburb of a bigger school, and like his his students would find out that like I was his kid. Yeah. But he was the computer teacher, so everybody fucking loves the computer teacher because they get to dick around on the computer yeah. all the time. So they would just like, <laughs> I it it almost drove me crazier. That everyone I met who had my dad, all they talked about yeah. was like how great of a teacher he was. Oh, it's yeah, like, dude. really? Because he keeps grounding my ass. Like, <laughs> I was like, he's not that much fun with me. And like, yeah, I'm a piece of shit kid. But at the time, it's so funny looking back on it going like, man, it was so annoying that everybody liked my dad so much. That's, <laughs> That's pretty funny. But the thing, like, I just, uh, I'm, I'm grateful that my dad actually game that I experienced already as a kid because I, I think a lot of people were already just ignorant and sheltered and just like you would make these judgments about like a different culture or ethnicity and like you don't know anything about that ethnicity like like all you've experienced is Cubans your whole life and you make it like how do you know yeah and that was my always my biggest thing that would piss me off um, which is why when I got older when I but like about college time like my, the biggest pet people about Miami was like dude like everybody suffers from like Al Bundy syndrome how like so? like you, you were the best like like even when I would come back from college it's like bro remember like how good you were in like fourth grade bro yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. like dude you're the best bro and like dude I'm fucking like, 28 like, I'm, I'm worried about what I'm gonna do next not what I did and when I was nine that mainly made me want to go away to college it's like you know what like, there's more like I, I want to experience more yeah and it's always kind of like, like my own journey in my head it made me move to New York which is why we were talking about earlier about Costa Rica. That's I think that's yeah. been, been part of my overall journey. Is um, which is why I said yes to the experience of living down there, which is 2014. Yeah. Um. So for for people that didn't watch the last one that you were on, so you you manage comedy clubs, you manage bars, like this is your your bread and butter. And you got to you got to live in Costa Rica for uh, would you say six months? I would say right uh, right under six months. Okay. And that was you were opening, you were like helping them open a bar, right? I yeah, pretty much. Um, 2014, I was managing Thunder Jackson's, which is a block away from the Grizzly Pair. Okay. Which at the time it was like I had a in New York. In New York at the yep. time, 2014, I had been doing stand up for I would say four years, but really like three two because I was like really starting to get into it. Sure. Um. So I was in a pretty good position, which is why it didn't make any sense for me to leave this time at this point, because it was almost like, oh, maybe like I've seen too many epic movies that are like this is like the, this is the moment, like this, yeah. like, let's do it. So I like, <laughs> um, so whatever. These guys are like we're opening a bar in Costa Rica. Can you help us go down there and like open it? These guys, 
I've helped open a lot of bars, and like I said, like from working in, in hospitality, like I, I have good enough experience. That I've started. I play. I've worked at places at the end of their run. I've opened like six places from like zero from scratch, um, and in the middle here and there or whatever. Um, so when we went down there, like these guys weren't any way near ready opening this like place, and uh, uh, like you guys are like they wanted to open like like tomorrow like dude are you yeah. crazy like you're not you have to open like five months dude um that's what i was fighting the whole time when i was down there um <laughs> and just like making stupid ideas work because one of my owner's drunk brothers that was living down there would like create this like, we'll get to that um okay. <laughs> we'll, 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 i'm just getting back to how i like, ended up there um which is why like it was a big decision for me like in one of my biggest moments in life was like living down there for six months because I knew it was going to be a mistake of like financially I knew I was going to get devastated from this decision because these guys like I said these guys weren't ready to open the place at all and they weren't paying you to go down there no um, there was a lot of incentives that kind of like made me make the decision that I knew I could come back to New York not as beat up Um, but that slowly fell apart and it's my first learning lesson of like trusting people without Something yeah. signed. That's like, I'll, I'll never make that mistake again. Everybody learns that one the hard way. At some I'll, point. I'll, I'll, one thing, like that was kind of my 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 decision making. Like I know this is gonna be a mistake, but it's it's also when I was down there. I, it was October, so about December. I decided to make this. Like, dude, it's ninety five degrees here, and yeah. it's ten degrees in New York. And how many how many times do I get a chance to like be down yeah. here? Um, and uh, like, you know what? Like, I, I want to see this place work, like, do well. So, like, I, I stayed there longer and made, like, shit happen and, like, got them as ready as they possibly could. But the the bar actually, that location, the, the specific location where we opened the place in Costa Rica, like, in, in, in that town, in Jaco, um, like, six businesses had failed within a year in that, that location. Wow. So, everybody thought it was plagued. It was doomed. Um, with what we did, we got it running for three and a half years until it was bought out by the new place that was called Man Cave Now, which is like a guy that was kind of like a monopoly, like kingpin yeah. club owner in the neighborhood, like an American Jewish guy from New York yep. that like owned all the business. But he saw the potential that we created there and he ended up buying it and making it better. Okay. Like all, all the ideas that we had. Yeah. So th- that's why I ended up going down there. And, and when I finally decided to come back, I had I already, I had pretty much... I strategically calculated when I think I'm going to completely run out of money <laughs> or, or, or when I'm not like completely fucking yeah. like yeah, 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 strapped. Yeah. Um, and then like there's one decision that finally uh, like a, a moment, like, this guy passed like, two years ago actually, not from COVID, just older guy. He was he was the only guy that was actually in good relations, same age as the owners at the time of Costa Rica. But he's the one that he flew down there, got money, stayed at a nice condo. I stayed in his place like the last four days. Uh, mind you, I didn't even like. Uh, I'm not even giving you all the shit of what I experienced for six months and like how did you live down there for six months like this? Yeah. Um, what made me decide to live down there and what made me decide to like move back? Uh, that's just what I'm st- still trying to explain is um, I loved it, dude. Like, in, I I I love being down there, but it made me realize that the people that are living down here in Costa Rica were all older, 
have decided to live in Costa Rica. Like you're not done. Like it's not like you're gonna phone a company in, like like a Starbucks and just check on the numbers and like oh what's going on down there. Yeah. Like no, like every business owner, every restaurant, every club, every everything, you're there. Like you live there. You're part of the operations. It's part of your daily life. Like your your ritual. Yeah. Like your sunset is every day. Like you watch the sunset after work every day. Like because you own that place. Right. Um. I I was like I was like dude I'm. At the time, I'm like I'm 35, 36. Like I'm not ready to. Not, I'm not ready for that. I'm not ready to. I'm not. I'm one. I don't have the money to retire. Like yes. anywhere close to it. Um, <laughs> sure. Like you can't really make that much money living down here. No. Nope. Um. And then uh. I was like, dude, like you were in a pretty good position with stand up. Like at the time, I was still running show. I was running two shows a week at the pair. So like as a person been doing stand up for three, four years, I was doing a pretty good show like twice a week. Yeah. That was getting me booked in. A lot of places. Like I was, I was, at that time, I was getting, I was probably in like four clubs, kind of consistently, and then I stopped that like cold turkey just to go down yeah. to Costa Rica. Um, now we get to Costa Rica. Like this is like, I just wanted to set that up. Yeah. Like how, my decision process about going down there and and how I felt. Well, it's it's interesting what you say. I think what you're saying about like it's kind of a slower way of life down yeah. there like oh, my, my so story. when they, i was they, they, they call it uh tico time right yeah so being down there for a month i mean it was it was short enough that i'm sure i didn't experience everything but it was long enough that i kind of got into the rhythm of like how this goes and it's just like the thought that my friend and i who i went down there with had was like this is awesome i'm not ready for life to be this slow yet and that was like because the bars they they were closing at like 10 yeah and they were like you know it gets super dark there's barely any street lights, so it's like once it's dark, dark, you're you're kind of in, and it was like, it was fun. Don't get me wrong, but it's very like daytime oriented well, that, that, place. One hundred percent. That's where well, that's where I was torn because like man, like I'm like leaving such a badass place, but I'm not ready to be here yet. Yeah. Um. And it's 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 funny because that's what actually kept me there for six months. I was only supposed to be there for a month, month and a half, and I remember after like two. A lot of positive things happened that I was like, man, this is awesome. Like, I love this place. Um, one, I got healthy. Oh, yeah. Like, I got I got really healthy. Yeah. Being down there. I, 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 was, oh, it's, I mean, all you're eating down there is like fruit, like fresh, fresh nothing stuff. Is, nothing Nothing's is processed. processed. Um, no, because there's, and apparently there's an insane import tax. Great, so yeah, you, exactly. So you're just, you're eating what the locals eat. But even like, it's crazy. Like, wow, like, this is... Like my, I remember my first two weeks, it was always ninety-five degrees on there. So yep. I remember my first, Every day. my first week, because we'd be working, we'd be setting the bar up and like just actually doing a physical labor and, yeah. and running around, going to like speak to a lawyer, speak to an accountant, setting shit up, um, buying inventory. So it was constantly like we had bikes and you, you ride bikes everywhere. We didn't even have a car, um, so it'd be like three guys on a bike on three bikes going to like different places. Dude, by like after a week, like my sweat. This and one of the specific things that I remember. I was like, man, this is so crazy because it went away. My sweat smelled so bad the first week, just for sweating yeah? all day. Huh? And it's from New York, from the toxins, yeah. like all this crap that we have up here. Um, smelled bad. like dude, like I would smell bad. Like I would, like, I would have to take, I would have to go home to take a shower. Yeah. Like right away because like, dude, I stink. And it was crazy because after like a week and a half, two weeks of like just sweating out all those toxins. I didn't stink anymore. And it, it was like it, pineapples. <laughs> it smelled like <laughs> that's a, what I smelled like after but, uh, it's, four weeks. But you know the difference. Like you, when you know when like you smell like a nasty yeah. person's sweat, like yes. just like like whiskey or like or, or yep. a cigarette, like yep. like you'd smell it from their skin. 
like after a while they're like my sweat smelled like 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 sweat like it just like like healthy sweat it was like just smell like my body was actually doing a natural thing that dude I, 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 did, I didn't even eat for I would say after like my first three weeks I stopped using air conditioning because I just liked it mm. like when I remember I, when, yeah. I would, when I would go to the bank to make deposits and shit for the, for the bar I would be freezing because the air conditioning would be on and I wasn't, I wasn't <laughs> used to it at all but I was like my mindset completely yeah. changed of things that I didn't care about as much um the term pura vida, yeah. that took a while, and then finally I was like, man, that's what it means. Yeah. Because um, everybody says it, dude. Like the cops say it. Yeah. Like everybody, pura vida, pura vida, pura vida. It's like hello, goodbye. It's everything. It's pure life. It's pura everything. vida, pure pura life. vida. Yep. But then I finally I was like, man, like when I finally stopped caring about things that would have gotten me mad in New York. Yeah. And like pura vida. And then like so because somebody said it like right after like dude I don't like care about that anymore and like like pura vida I was like oh shit yeah like the Absolutely, pura vida. And then, like, it's funny because the Americans <laughs> would joke about it that, that live down there. Pura vida means um, it's not going to get any better, but it's not going to get any worse. Like, it's just like yeah. it is what it is. And you just got to. I'll take that. And you just got to accept it. I mean, I think Costa Rica is like one of the top five happiest countries in the world. Yeah. So obviously, something's working. I mean, whoever named it first obviously saw. Yeah. Costa, yeah. Rich, rich, rich Coast, Coast, Costa Rica. Yeah. Like, this is a really good place. Like, yeah. The uh, I wish I got to explore more. I kind of like I was. We stayed on the Pacific side. We were in Coco, uh, which is an oh, old so, ex, expat town. Um, and then like in the middle, you got the mountains where it's all like coffee farms yeah. and stuff like that. But I guess the the uh, Caribbean side is like almost a completely different. I've country, heard it's bad. Almost. Bad. I've heard it's like racist. Really? I, like uh, okay. e- even the Costa Ricans on the West Coast. Tell me, um, don't go to the east. Don't go to the east coast because it's uh, huh. like they're they're very racist towards uh, gringos. Gring, but it's weird. It's just not their kind. Like even they're even racist to their own Costa Ricans. Weird. Um, so I haven't been down there, so I haven't experienced it. Uh, yeah. But um, I I, I heard just a few Americans that went there, and that was the feedback that that, that even they gave me. Like, oh, wow. it was kind of weird. Um, that I have to experience it for myself to see what they're talking about. Yeah. Um, but the west coast, um. It's just, I mean, I think a lot of Spanish, um, South American countries are slowly just getting bigger and bigger because that's where Americans and Canadians are going to retire. Yeah. And well, that's so. When I went to Ecuador, it was like we uh, we were in a little town called Banos for um, it was like three days, and it's little expat town. Like a bunch of Americans are going down there to retire. That's what Coco was, and it's interesting you brought up. That, that's exactly like, what, pretty much what Hako is. Yeah, Hako it was a surf town. It became a surf town because it had really good surf. But um, the reality was it was a place where fucking 70, 80 year old Americans, yeah, guys, would go retire because yeah. you can take fucking steroids over the counter. You can buy Viagra over yeah. the counter, <laughs> and, prostitution, yeah. and prostitution is legal. Yeah. Uh, and drugs all drugs are decriminalized or like I think you need it was something like a pound of cocaine for it to be illegal or something like that which like it makes sense why it's legal it also makes sense it's funny you brought up that like a, a New Yorker bought your the restaurant that you built up because that was one thing in in Coco you could tell which places were like owned by the locals and then you'd, yeah. you'd go outside of the city just uh, like two seconds and every single restaurant hotel is all owned by you could obviously tell it was owned by white guys yeah. that are just like oh yeah this is how it is in new york so we're gonna make it like this and then you go to that part of 
the little town and it's like all white people and their families it's like it might as well be florida yeah. like it's it's just like that's funny like, wow what, this what, is so like americanized like i didn't have to i learned more spanish in 10 days in ecuador than i learned in a month in costa rica because anytime i would even try they would answer me back in spanish and give me a look like we're not doing this we're just speaking in that's English. so funny i'm better than you <laughs> this is like, that, was actually, right, that was actually fair, an, an, an interesting uh dynamic that i had to go through when i was living down there was speaking spanish and english to both sides to costa ricans mm. and speaking spanish and english to americans Cause interesting because i do like i i Especially if, I, if I'm clean shaven, or if I have a beard or mustache now, I'm completely different. Interesting. Okay. Um, I, had a, I remember when I lived on there, I had a shaved head and I had a beard, so I, I could, I could be Costa Rican. Yeah. Um, but it's crazy is like I knew right away you can hear Amer- American talk, um, and hi, what can I get you guys a drink? And like. Yeah. And like, oh, oh, you, wow, you speak English. Yeah. Like, no, I'm fucking American. Yeah. Like, and they yeah, yeah, yeah. Get, a lot of people couldn't even get past that concept. <laughs> um, or even like, um, they would try to order in Spanish with like the worst Spanish ever to yeah. me. Like, hola, welcome or cerveza. Like, five, and you five just bucks. Respond in five in bucks. English. Like, oh, wow, you speak really good. Like, I'm Cuban. Like, you don't have to do that bad yeah. Spanish accent anymore. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but the same thing would happen with Costa Ricans. Um, it's crazy because once once I started living down there and they accepted me as like I was Latino, then I would get like they started talking to me in Spanish because mm. in the beginning they would assume like an American guy. Yeah. So I would say something in Spanish and they would speak to me in English in like perfect English, like better English than fucking yeah. some Americans. Oh yeah. Um. But then they would oh where are you from and oh my parents are Cuban blah blah and then like the next day they would like start talking to me in Spanish, like. A, Interesting. They, okay. Like, I'll, I'll so they would like give you. They'd be like, "All right, he's he's one yeah. of us." Like, and then eventually, like, "Oh, Cuba, yeah. Cuba." Like my nickname would be like Cuba. It's inter- it's interesting how that happens because it's um like on the one I like I'm not fooling anyone. I go to Costa Rica, nobody starts yeah. speaking Spanish to me. It is funny. I went to Norway one time, and um nobody there started speaking English to me. They would all come up to me and start speaking Norwegian because they're like, oh yeah, he's he's Nor- he's Norwegian for sure. <laughs> and then I'd have to be like, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm American. American. And then they would like, their English was fantastic. They had like Midwestern accents. It was the craziest, it was the in- craziest thing ever. But it's it's interesting like where you go, the the snap judgments that people make. Oh, 100%. Well, it's, oh, and, dude, demographics are huge. Like, yeah. It's, well, in New York, I assume everybody's uh, American. Yeah. Be- even like they could be the most like Hispanic looking person ever. I'm like, I don't know. They probably live in the Bronx. Like, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> uh, Costa Rica, I mean, uh, it's so funny because living down there made me realize it's all the same shit everywhere, bro. Like even like the way uh, locals treat local, like yeah. their own Costa Ricans. Like all the West Coast was, it's kind of like um going to uh not the Hamptons um it's like going to Montauk. Yeah, and the people that live in Montauk, the bartenders and the lifestyle, like the locals that live in Montauk. Yeah, they're completely different from the people that go visit them. Yeah, like it's just different lifestyle, different mindset. I mean, even Montauk. To the Hamptons, hundred I mean, percent. Those like big those time. people are, are big different. Time. Yeah, and that's that, that was the same equivalent that I would find is like, you would get people from the city, San Jose, that would go for the weekend to yep. the, those little towns Taco to go party and, and yep, shit, yep, and to let loose. And it's exactly it's a beach town. Yeah, and you live and you go to any beach town in the states, it, it you find the similarities and the parallels. It's the right. same kind of people, Sur- I mean, like surfer dudes are universal. Yeah, and it's so funny because like in Costa Rica, 
you have all kinds of surfers yeah. and they all fucking look identical even though like one guy's Japanese one guy's fucking <laughs> yeah. from Spain they're all the same like, they all long, dude, yep. we, we, there's a sushi restaurant that we go to in Costa Rica and it's crazy because it's a smaller place now like, the, when I lived there it was like six sushi chefs working at the time like that's how big it was I guess something happened the guy found a different location and it's just the main owner that's living there but this is like a 55 year old Japanese guy like arigato like, like everything Japanese yeah. but surfboard in his car and go surfing every morning before work and like, that's the lifestyle bro. doesn't matter where where he grows it's funny you bring that up because we started calling Coco where we were staying uh, Central American Daytona because it's just like everyone was old like all the old people it was one of those where like they're in great shape like their bodies look great but they also look like a paper bag at like the same time so it's just like orange skin uh, like, yeah it was like, like it was like Daytona Beach just like in Central America so we were like it was it was so funny though. To your point though, I mean like beach expat beach town with a bunch of old people is going to be the same there as it is in there, especially with it being so Americanized. Well, like, I, I think getting Americanized now is making it more um, commercialized, dude. Like um, yeah, like, I mean, there's like a Walmart opening up, and well, we would try you, to go to the local place. If you go to, you go to but, San Jose, San Jose, Escazul is like a little city right outside of San Jose, dude. It looks like any suburb in America. Mm. Like there's dude, there's a Best Buy, yeah. there's a Costco, there's a Home Depot, there's an Olive Garden, there's a fucking um, yep, Outback Steak, dude. Like the, I, we went Taco to the Bell, Taco Bell one time like, in Liberia because it was just like fuck. I mean, let's go in there. You got to try Costa Rican Taco Bell. But I think but. now what, what, it's like I think Costa Rica, the, the the party towns that were known as bachelor towns and surf mm. towns are slowly becoming like mini Vegas because yeah. um. Our last trip down there, there was bachelorette parties now. Yeah. Like when we went down, there was a, a bachelorette party that was like in our restaurant. They were like, I don't know, just uh, it's cheaper than Vegas. Like they literally said it's cheaper exactly, to fly exactly, down to Costa Rica than that's exactly to go to Vegas. Because that's exactly what I, what I, when I, my biggest assessment from Costa Rica was like this is Miami and Vegas in the 80s. Like it's still like the Wild West, yeah. but kind of like they, the Costa Ricans don't want to hurt us because. We're their economy, yep. so like tourism is a beautiful thing for them. Like, yep. dude, way to bring that full circle right on the hour. I think that's the best way to wrap it up. Yeah, man. Miami's in the eighty. The Costa Rica's the new Miami. You heard it here it, first. It, it really is, bro. <laughs> and that's why I want to. The irony of, I want to retire down there like the old Jewish guys from New York that eventually moved yes. down there. Yep. I want to be the Cuban guy to move to Costa Rica in my 80s, dude. Like, that's that's my goal. I love it. Where can people find you? Instagram shows, all that stuff. Cuban is funny on Instagram and Twitter. Um, GrizzlyPearStandup.com. Yeah, we have a, they check it out. They just uh, updated our website. Awesome. It's yeah, fun. former guest Ana Bianco is yeah, doing man. a bunch of yeah, yeah. bunch of stuff. She's crushing it, dude. She's, She's awesome. Uh, yeah. That's another. That's for another story. But uh, it's funny how things happen. Right before. Uh, at the time we were looking for somebody to do our social media and she was the number one on our list Yeah, and she came up to us and said I want to do your social media and like we've been thinking about wow. you as a number perfect. one person anyway so perfect yes yeah, <laughs> yes can't write it better than yeah, that alright follow me at Corey T Comedy on all social media come check out my shows at The Three Monkeys every single week up in Midtown Manhattan and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast Gabe let's do another one of these soon absolutely bro let's Pleasure, kill these brother. shows tonight